Well, hey, check this out. One day, guess who? Don Russell. That's right, Don Russell. You were paying attention, Ruth. Don was uh, uh, sitting at home and when his doorbell rang. Right, Don? Thank you. Very kindly. And when he answered the door, get this, get this done, right? A six-foot-tall cockroach was, yeah, was standing there. You know what I'm saying? But that's right. Before Don could do anything, listen, the cockroach immediately punched him between the eyes and scampered off. Yeah. Well, the next evening, Don, he's sitting at home, and the doorbell rang again, and, and he answered the door again, and guess what? <laughs> there was that cockroach. This time, out, listen, it punched him, and kicked him, and karate chopped him, and then scampered away. Right? Well, believe it or not, the third evening came, and guess what happened? Don's sitting at home, and the doorbell rang, and that's right, he answered the door, and there was that cockroach again, and this time, though, it leapt at him. It stabbed him several times before scampering off. And at this dawn, he's gravely injured, and he managed to crawl to the telephone. He summons this ambulance, and, and soon he was rushed to intensive care, and, and where they were able to barely save his life. It was a rough week, Ron, for Don. It's, I'm glad he's here today. But anyway, and so the next morning, the doctor, he's doing his rounds, and he asked Don, he says, what in the world happened? And so Don explained to the doctor about the surprising nightly attacks of this foot, uh, six-foot-tall cockroach, and it culminated in the near-fatal stabbing. But listen, not at all surprised at all. The doctor simply informed Don, yes, there's a nasty bug going around. <laughs> That's almost as bad as George and the Dragon. How many guys would agree? You know, but man, it makes a point. I had to share it. I had to share it. Give up for Don. Rough week. But seriously, folks, the real point apparently with that story is, isn't that amazing? How that doctor was not at all surprised about the dangers out there, apparently in Vegas with the six-foot-tall cockroaches. Okay, uh, but, but folks, believe it or not, did you know the Bible says that many people in our world today are not at all informed about an even bigger danger than a six-foot-tall cockroach, and that danger is this. It's called God's wrath, and it's about to be released on this wicked and rebellious planet, and you don't want to be there, and that begins at the rapture of the church. And folks, we've been seeing the reason why that's such a horrible time frame. I didn't say it. Jesus did. He said it's the worst time in the history of mankind. Okay? And that unless God did shorten that time frame, the entire human race would be absolutely destroyed. But praise God, he's not just a God of wrath, which again, I'll say it every single time. Lord willing, that's not bad. God dishing out his wrath means he's putting an end to all the evil and the suffering and the blowing that goes on today. Anybody excited about that? Okay, and following that, he establishes his millennial reign, the millennial kingdom, and the earth is renovated back to Garden of Eden-like conditions. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Okay, but he's not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, I'm firmly convinced, folks, out of love, he gives us so many warning signs so that we would know when it's getting close. We don't know the day nor the hour. The Bible's very clear about that. Don't try to set a date. But we know when it's getting close, and these are the signs that we give from God, uh, that he gives us, okay? And so in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day, hello, being left behind, even worse, believe it or not, than that nasty bug going around here in Vegas, we're going to continue our study, that's right, called the final countdown. The final countdown. Now, folks, uh, you know I'm into technology, so we've got to beef it up this week. Uh, we've already seen that how the prophet John has already helped us. The number 10 sign on the final countdown was the Jewish people. That's right. <laughs> Look how high-tech that is, Al. Isn't that amazing? That's the only one I could find. Sorry, John. Uh, but it works. Uh, the, I'm in trouble, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Number nine was modern technology. The price you pay. Number eight was worldwide upheaval. <laughs> Number seven, the rise of falsehood. Number six, the rise of wickedness. Number five, the rise of apostasy. Number four, the rise of a one-world religion. Number three, given up for, that's right, the prophet John. Number three was the rise of a one-world government. The last six times was the number two sign was the rise of a one-world economy. And what we've been seeing, guys, is, man, God lovingly foretold you and I, when you see this sign on the planet, you're in the last days. When all the world's economies come together as one. Good thing we see no signs of that happening. Yeah, it's all over the place. We saw that with the chronological proof, the fear of manipulation proof, the quotation proof, the uh, union proof, the American proof, the currency proof, we're going cashless, and the last three times with the technology proof. And what we saw is, listen, we don't just have a one world economy right now. We not only have a one world currency, i.e. we're going cashless right now, whole countries, but we have the technology right now to pull all this together into a mark of the beast system. And that technology we saw the last three times was RFID or radio frequency identification where their plan, and we saw they freely admit this, is to listen, is to tag every product, every pet, every person, everything on the planet to be tracked and tacked and monitored at all times. And it just so happens this technology also has the ability to make financial transactions as well. Isn't that nifty? It all just kind of works together, okay? But that's right. How many guys can do a drum roll? 
Right on. Man, you guys are awesome. You should, AJ, get him up here. To the, but anyway, that's right. <laughs> you guys are hiding out on us. That's right. Go ahead. Do your drum roll. The number one sign. That's right. We're here, folks. The number one sign on the final countdown that God has given to us to wake us up before it's too late is the rise of the mark of the beast. Okay? And folks, this is pretty obvious. The Bible's clear one day. If you know anything about Bible prophecy, surely you should know this, okay? Is one day the Bible says the whole planet is going to not just be under the authority of the Antichrist. We saw that with the one world government. Not just the economy of the Antichrist. We just finished up with that. But the Bible is clear. One day the whole world of unbelievers anyway, okay, uh, the non-elect, is going to be under the identity or marking system of the Antichrist. And the Bible is clear, folks. Once that happens, they are taking literally the seal of ownership of the Antichrist. Christ upon them and the Bible is clear they're also at the same time sealing their fate for eternal destruction you don't want to do it but again as always don't take my word for it let's go back to the classic text Revelation 13 where this appears Revelation 13 verses 11 through 18 let's take a look at the text here if you find Revelation 13 where do you go Verse 11. <laughs> Verse 11. Let's take a look. Once again, the beast out of the earth. We're going to see once again, he's got a cohort. The Antichrist has a cohort. He is the false prophet. And he works with the Antichrist to dupe the whole world into worshiping the Antichrist and taking the mark. Okay? You don't want to listen to this guy. He's a false prophet. He's satanically inspired just like the Antichrist. But it's a little tag team thing that's going on here. Let's take a look. Revelation 13 verse 11 says this. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. But he spoke like a dragon. That's the false prophet. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf. And he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. And because of all these signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he what? He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And here's what he did. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that, listen, it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Guys, this is really coming to the planet. You understand this? This is really what it's culminating into. This is the future. And I think it's a lot sooner than we think. To be killed is what he says. Then, that's not all. Then he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, didn't matter what class of society, free and slave, to receive a what? A mark on his right hand or on his forehead. The Bible calls out the body parts. So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now this calls for wisdom. Put your thinking caps on. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Okay? And folks, we've already been here several times because there's so much going on in our text. But once again, on this topic, the mark of the beast, the Bible clearly says, as we just read, we've seen it several times, that one day you can scoff all you want. You can be skeptical all you want. But the Bible's very clear about this. It's not some hidden Greek here. This is an obvious reading of the text. One day, all the inhabitants of the earth, the non-saved, are going to be under the authority of the Antichrist, the economy of the Antichrist, and they're going to receive some sort of mark from the Antichrist. Okay, they're going to be duped, they're going to be forced, they're going to be made by the uh, false prophet into receiving some sort of mark into their bodies, specifically into the right hand or the forehead, so that they can continue on buying and selling and escape the threat of death. That's what it says. It's pretty obvious in this text. But again, the question is always is, could this really happen? Could our whole world, not a section of the world, but could the whole planet really be deceived into receiving the mark of the beast? And is there any evidence it is going to take place? And dare I say, even soon, like the Bible said. Yeah. If you hear the last weeks, we're seeing the technology for the Antichrist system for the first time in man's history. It's already here. Folks, this is not 50 years down the road. It's here now. Now listen, it's also being implemented now. And part of that implementation process is because they're going to do it in several different ways. And the first way that they're getting us to be prepared to go ahead and receive this mark of the beast system is what I call the conditioning proof. They are not only have the technology, now they're full blown into stage two. And they're conditioning you and I into thinking, hey, this is going to be great. I've got to take a mark in my body, specifically in my hand or in my forehead okay you see folks what most people don't realize is this mark of the beast system that the antichrist is going to put in place is not only going to be put in place 
There's no debate here. God is the one who prophesied this. Okay, man is not going to stop this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because God said it's going to happen. And he doesn't lie unlike man. It's going to be put in place. But I don't think we even realize just how long it's been in the planning stages. And listen, how they have been working really hard even just the last decade to get you and I prepared to receive this mark. And they're doing it in a couple of different ways. They're conditioning us from several different angles to receive the mark of the beast. And the first way they're doing that is with the media. Shocker. The media is being used to prepare you and I to receive the mark of the beast all over the planet. Okay, listen to this. This is cool. Uh, President Calvin Coolidge. Remember him? Yeah, whatever. That's in the 20s for those of you hooked on history. Listen to what he said even as far back as the 1920s. Former president. Here's what he said. He says, advertising in the media is the most potent influence in adapting and changing the habits and modes of life affecting what we wear, what we eat, the work and the play of a whole nation. I'll say that for those of you on the back row. Again, advertising in the media is the most potent influence in adapting and changing the habits and modes of life affecting what we eat, what we wear, the work and the play of the whole nation. What did our former president back in the 20s readily admit that we don't want to admit today? The power of the media, right? That the media and the advertisements that's used on it carries with it the power, listen, to convince us to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't know who in the end don't even think and care. That's our way of life. Who gets us to do that? The media, right? The advertising. And people, oh, it doesn't affect me. Man, that's crazy, folks. They, they dump billions of dollars in the advertising every single year. Because they got that money to throw away? No, because they know they're going to reap their money back plus then some. It works. It influences us. But notice what he just said there. It wasn't just our buying habits. It shapes our belief systems. The media has the power to shape our belief systems. In other words, it gets us to do things we normally probably wouldn't do. You know, like the mark of the beast, right? And if you don't think, folks, that they're using the media right now and modern-day advertising to get you and I to do that, let's take a look at some of the historical proof just even recently how they're using all sectors of society and the media to get us to think this is an awesome thing. We've got to receive the mark of the beast, according to these guys. Let's take a look at some of that proof. Now, listen, this is in school. 1973, folks. Uh, senior scholastics introduced school-age children to the concept in school to the concept of buying and selling using numbers inserted in their forehead. This was in September 20th. You can check it out yourself, 1973. It's a feature called Who is Watching You? It's a secular high school journal, and it said, quote, all buying and selling in the program will be done by computer. No currency, no change, no checks. In the program, people would receive a number that had been assigned to them tattooed in their wrist or forehead. The number is put on by laser beam and cannot be felt. The number in the body is not seen with the naked eye and is as permanent as your fingerprints. Who would want to put a mark on their forehead? That's ugly. That's in not if they make it invisible. Oh, we'll get to that later. Uh, let's continue on. All items of consumer goods will be marked with a computer mark. The computer outlet in the store, which picks up the number on the items at the check stand, will also pick up the number in the person's body and automatically total the price and, listen, deduct the amount of the person's special drawing rights account. We don't see any signs of people becoming dependent on the government for their... Oh, I'm starting to, uh, that was in school, 1973. Notice that's 1973. That's even before computers really began to take off. Hello. And they already had this figured out and pumping it in the school system. That's, not, that's tip of the iceberg. 74, article, Specter of Eugenics. This is by uh, Charles Frankel. He was pointing out how this guy, a Nobel Prize winner, Linus Pauling, suggested that a mark be tattooed on the foot or forehead of every young person. And this guy's a Nobel Prize winner? Excuse me? Uh, 1980, U.S. World News Report, if you were looking, warned that the federal government was contemplating national identity cards without which nobody could work or conduct business. There's no discussion of that today, is there? Well, why would they want you to have a national identification card? Well, maybe it's because they're going to go to this step. 1981, the Denver Post uh, Sun reported that chip implants could someday replace, guess what? ID cards. You have a mandatory ID card, maybe you need to get a mandatory chip. Yeah, wait for that. Uh, 1981 story read in part, the chip is placed in a needle which is affixed to a simple syringe containing an antibacterial solution. The needle is capped and forever ready uh, to identify something or somebody. Forever. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, let's continue on. 1997 applications for patents for subcutaneous implant devices for a person or animal 
we're applying for. See, it's not just in the idea stage. Uh, it's in the stage where let's go ahead and get these things going, okay? That's in the technology, 1997. 1998, Time Magazine ran this story, The Big Bang Theory and What It Says About the Future of Money. This is still, last time I checked online, you could read this actual article. Listen to this. They stated in Time Magazine, your daughter can store the money any way she wants on her laptop, on a debit card, even in the not-too-distant future, on a chip implanted under her skin. In Time Magazine, 1998, BBC covered the first known human microchip implantation. Uh, 2002, the FDA approves Verichip microchip implant for humans. The government says it's perfectly safe for us. Back in 2002, let's take a look at that report. Science fiction became reality today. The Food and Drug Administration approved a computer chip that's implanted into people. The chip would contain a person's medical records. The microchips have already been used to identify lost pets. And as Lisa Kiava shows us, they have lots of potential in people. Every second counts when you need help, but you're unconscious and doctors need critical information. Okay, we want to know what medications you're on. We want to know what you're allergic to. We want to know kind of what your health problems are. This tiny chip can lead to a wealth of information about you. If you had been implanted with the device, a doctor would scan your upper arm and then... That's the number that would come up when you got scanned. That number is entered into a computer database and your medical records appear. I'll take you over here first. Engineers at Digital Angel in St. Paul developed the groundbreaking chip. The company already sells a million ID chips for dogs and cats. That research helped the company develop something safe for humans. We've over the years developed a, a plastic sheath so that the tissue adheres to it and it doesn't move. It stays put in your upper arm after doctors use a syringe to implant it there. It will be marketed to people with health problems that may cause them to become unconscious. There are other uses. The military is considering the chip to replace dog tags. Workplaces with tight security concerns might ditch card entry systems and ask you to implant a chip instead. Oh, they'd never do that to us, would they, at the workplace? We'll get to that, Lord willing, later in the study. But notice how it's always being pushed primarily right now in the medical community. And good thing somebody just took over the whole medical thingy and all that neat stuff. So, oh, did you notice that you're assigned a number with this technology? And what's the Bible say about a number and the thing? And the, very interesting how this is all kind of playing together. 2003 proposals appear for credit card implants. Hey, we not need this not just to store information. We need to use it to make financial transactions. Where's that coming from? Interesting. Uh, appear to, hey, we need to get children microchipped in the same year, 2003. The European Union wants a chip to monitor visitors who come into the country. Uh, biometric payments expand to grocery uh, and convenience stores. We'll get into this next week. Uh, first step is get used to making a financial transaction with a body part. And then maybe something inside that body part could later come step by step, folks. We're being led into this, in my opinion. 2004, bank crimes fuel the rush for biometric systems. Well, man, you create a crisis, you can manage the outcome, can't you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, these people keep ripping off our cards. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you had something more secure? And do that, and I could do it with my hand and make payment. And I'm telling you, folks. Uh, 2004, that's where I saw the video Baja Beach Club in Spain launches a microchip implantation for VIP people who can uh, not only be identified in the bar, but also make financial transactions for their drinks. 2004, microchip and global satellite firms reach an agreement. It's going global, uh, this technology. Mexico attorney, same year, j uh, gets a microchip implant. Uh, Japan school kids starting to be tagged in 2004 with RFID chips. 2004, you had a proposal for chip implants and police officers' hands to allow only officers to fire the guns. Now, remember the one world government? We said that was back in 2004. They're proposing it. Now they have the technology out with all these shooting crises going on. It's called smart guns. Remember that? It's almost like they predicted it before. Anyway, uh, 2005, California starts to require radio ID tags for students to be tracked in school. Uh, 2005, a proposal for a digital birth ID. We need to have some way to identify people at the moment they're born. Why would you want that? We'll get to that, Lord willing, later. Uh, Chief of Police, the same year who received the chip, he's starting to advocate forced government chipping to buy and sell. He thinks it's great. Uh, 2006, employees starting to get microchip implants, as you just saw uh, there. Uh, Verichip sells its baby protection system. Ooh, so I guess they are going to do it to kids when they come out. And with the military. Wait till we see what they want to do with the military uh, with that. Uh, 2006, you got uh, Britons are, uh, they're saying we're going to be chipped, everybody in Britain, in, uh, in a decade. That would be 2016. Uh, the rise of people voluntarily receiving in, uh, microchip implants. Uh, everybody's thinking this is pretty cool. I mean, good thing we see no signs of people getting stuff inside their 
bodies and, and the things of that nature and the implants. Have you seen the, the bones and the things? And, and that's kind of interesting. Everybody likes to do that nowadays. Uh, young shoppers are wanting to pay with a chip in their skin. Okay, this stuff is great for making financial payments. If FBI starts to build the world's largest biometric database back in 2007, why would they want that? Well, we'll get to that later. Alzheimer's patients lining up to microchips. I mean, hey, listen, you'll never lose track of where they are if your loved one has a chip. And it happens, they wander off. And uh, 2008 hospitals start tagging babies with electronic chips. What? I guess they're, yeah, they're starting with the external ones tied to their toes. Maybe it'll go inside later. Interesting. Uh, 2008 prisoners are starting to be chipped uh, like dogs. 2008, listen to this. Microsoft patents a system that could link workers to their computers to read their heart rate, skin response, EMG, brain signals, respiration rate, body temperature, movement, facial movement, facial expressions, and blood pressure. Listen, the system could also alert employers to changes in the workers' mental and physical health. Why would you develop that? Talk about a total control society is what we're headed for, folks. 2009, Verichip begins working with another company, listen, to develop under-the-skin devices to detect bio-threats. So this chip can not only store information, uh, it can not only make financial transactions, but as we were here last week, it has sniffing abilities. Remember that? And so these chips now can detect if there's a disease floating around in the air and an alarm will be triggered and you can be warned to get out of the area. Don't you need a chip now? And remember if you were here last week, we saw, we just, hey, they're using all animals to get chipped under the disease scare with the mad cow and all that other stuff. What if they do another disease with humans and say, hey, line up and get your chip? Because we need to detect when this stuff is in the air. Ah, it's very interesting. They got the technology. Stimulus bill was passed in 2009 that tracks every individual's health records electronically and assigns an electronic ID to every person to maintain their health records. Why would you want to do that? That's interesting. Uh, 2010, biometric cash machines start to appear in Europe. Uh, 2010, the Obama administration starts the plans to require all American workers to obtain a national biometric identification card. Ooh, it's starting to close in. Uh, 2010, Germany rolls out a national ID card embedded with RFID technology. And then a poll that same year says one in four Germans said, hey, skip that. We want a microchip under our skin because you can't lose your work card now and nobody can steal it from you. They wouldn't do that here, would they? Hey, let's move on. Uh, 2011, the Obama administration begins plans to create an internet ID for all Americans. You won't be able to get online unless you have an ID approved by the government. We'll get to that actually in just a second. Uh, 2012, a new microchip is developed that now knows your location within centimeters on the planet. That's how far it's progressed. 2012, the FBI now launches a billion dollar face recognition project. You're not gonna be able to hide. 2013, if you guys seen this commercial, it's the Verizon uh, Droid DNA phone. And it's starting to get us conditioned to the idea to merge man with machine. And you see on there that they're being implanted in the commercial there uh, with some sort of device into your body. Uh, okay. And then that's not all. Uh, and this year, folks, they just came out with what's called the BioStamp Tattoo. Now, it's, it attaches to the wearer's skin on the outside and allows them to replace all passwords, all forms of identification. There's a debate going on in the church. We'll get into this, Lord willing, later in greater detail. There's a debate going on in the church that uh, does that mean in the right hand, in the forehead, or on the right hand, or on the forehead? We now have the technology to do both. Watch this. The mark could be taken on the outside with this technology if this is the direction it's going to go. Let's take a look. A team of scientists led by University of Illinois professor John Rogers has created a new, less intrusive way of gathering data from the human body. Unlike conventional equipment that hardwires patients to a stationary machine, the epidermal electronics, as they're called, attach to the skin in the same way you would attach a temporary tattoo. Our thought was that if you could convert the electronics from the rigid boxy form that exists today, into a format that looks like the skin in terms of mechanical properties, uh, shape, uh, stretchability, toughness, uh, then you could almost make like a second skin that would laminate on the surface of the uh, biological skin in a completely seamless integrated fashion uh, that would be essentially invisible to the user but able to deliver all of this kind of new functionality through the skin. Uh, the kind of functioning systems that we uh, demonstrated in this paper uh, involve devices that can monitor brain function. So they laminate onto the forehead and they can monitor brain waves and determine you know, certain aspects of brain activity. If we cover it with conventional uh, temporary tattoo, uh, first of all, other people cannot see it. So it is uh, very easy to wear. 
And since we are using wireless system, uh, the patient or people can move uh, and do normal life without any restrictions. Wow, that looks pretty cool. You could, Izzy, if you weren't able to hear the audio there, he says, you can, you, if you do this technology, you can have a normal life without restriction. You know, if you have this thing on your body, you can still buy and sell. Now, first of all, with that technology, notice that it can fit the other way. If it, either inside they got the technology, on the outside they have the technology. Doesn't matter, we have both now. But notice, he, just even in that little documentary exposing this new technology, where are they already picturing this stuff to be placed? In the hand? Where, for what? Did you see that one shot? In the forehead. But yeah, it's just for the brainwaves. I'm sure that's all it is. Okay? And notice with this technology, uh, it can make it, uh, it's not some unsightly, ungodly, you know, I don't want some big giant bump on my head. <laughs> well, hey, you can hide it in a tattoo. And everybody loves tattoos nowadays, don't, don't they? And so it can be embedded with this technology. So it's not some unsightly, ungodly, horrible looking thing. You can even have it customized. In fact, did you notice? It's a pirate. Arg. Even kids would like this. Get your chip, matey. Arg. So even kids would like this stuff. And it also answers some of the skeptics out there who have tried to do mathematical calculation showing it's impossible to take this marking system literally because the amount of people on the planet who would need to have this mark, it would just be logistically impossible to be able to pull it off in a short amount of time frame as the seven-year tribulation. It'd take too long. It's just, really? Not if everybody got one of those in the mail. Put it on yourself, you're good to go. It's all here right now. But folks, the point is this. I don't know about you, but it looks to me like uh, somebody's pretty serious about this uh, Mark of the Beast system and, uh, and they're really using the media to push you and I along to go with it. Anybody notice this? It's all here, folks, right now. And that's exactly what the Bible said would happen when you're living in the last days. Now, the second way I believe they're conditioning us to receive the Mark of the Beast system is not just, folks, with the media proof. It's what I call the matrix proof. Pay attention because this is the back half, I believe, of the Mark of the Beast system. Okay, whether you realize it or not, folks, they've been creating for years a matrix system right now that connects everything on the planet that is needed to pull off this Mark of the Beast system. And I believe that matrix, in part, is called the Internet. Pay attention where I'm going with this. If you'll notice, folks, all information, all finances, all knowledge, all forms of media, all are being connected and merged with this new invention that we've seen in our lifetime called the Internet. And I believe the key word there is net. The net's closing in on us, okay? And listen, it's not just in existence right now, but in just a few short years, you and I have been conditioned to accept it and rely upon it for almost everything we need, including finances. You can buy online, you can sell online, you can bank online, you can do all your studying and research online, you can shop online, you can watch TV online, you can register online, you can make your appointments online, you can do just about anything and everything now online line, including finances. Now here's the point, folks. It's a giant matrix system that's starting to control everything we do, link it all together on a global basis, including finances, okay? And that's what you have to have in place for the Mark of the Beast system. You can just have all these chips, but what are you going to connect it to? You need a matrix system, okay? And this is why I've said before, I believe the term that was inspired there, obviously by God, that John wrote in the book of Revelation, buying and selling, you, you, it will control the buy. I think that's a loaded term. I think when you think in terms of the matrix system of the internet that is being created before us, buying and selling is just the tip of the iceberg. When you think of the internet, it's literally going to be everything. You are going to be completely, totally shut out of the system, a non-citizen. Buying and selling, I believe, is just the tip of the iceberg, okay? And again, here's the problem. Right now, they've conditioned you and I to use it. And right now, we have pretty much freedom to access the matrix, the internet, at all times, right? But here's the obvious problem. We all get used to it. We all get hooked on it. We all get dependent upon it. We all use it. What if somebody were to rise up and hijack the matrix? Then what are we going to do? Overnight, you talk about the ultimate power play. And folks, here's my point. You need to understand that's not just a theory. It's reality now. Right now, there are signs that the internet, the matrix, is closing. The net is closing, folks. They are grabbing control of it now that we're used to it on a global basis. The freedom to access the matrix is starting to go bye-bye. And you're going to have to have their permission to access it. Let's take a look at some of that proof. China recently turned its back on promises to stop censoring the internet for its people and actually moved forward to create a digital great wall. 
But see, we expect that from them, you know, communist country, and that's what they do to people. I'm telling you folks, it's going on a global basis. Former president of Italy, he's pushing for an international agreement to regulate the internet. Uh, Thailand's government is already starting to block thousands of websites. The UK is promoting what's called a digital economy bill to block whatever website it wishes. The freedom's going out the window, folks. The US Department of Defense has started to ban employees and soldiers from certain websites. Even here in the United States, folks. Australia is working on a mandatory internet filter modeled after the communist Chinese government system that will allow the government to block any website it desires. It's a mandatory filter, including, and this was in the article, Christian sites. Why would you want to pick on Christian sites? Well, hey, you don't want somebody telling about the mark of the beast and you're putting all this in a place, do you? So, or just about Jesus. Interesting. Uh, the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Notice it's the economic forum. You, know, you got Bill Gates there and uh, former President uh, Bill Clinton and others there, Tony Blair, uh, is calling for the internet, listen, to be policed by means of licenses, similar to driver's licenses. Quote, we need a kind of World Health Organization for the internet. If you want to drive a car, you have to have a license to say that you're capable of driving a car. The car has to pass a test to say it's fit to drive and you have to have insurance. Listen to this. The same system, they say, should be used for the internet and we will need to have government permission to use the web. It's closing in on us. We're all used to it. We're all hooked on it. We're all dependent on it. Now we need their permission to access it. Another method they're proposing, listen, is to use mandatory fingerprint scanners like the ones that are starting to be included on all new computers. You know, you got to use your fingerprint in order to log on to start it up and you need to do that now. You need a body part to access the matrix is another proposal right now as we speak. Quote, you would have to register your fingerprint at a central government data center and then scan each time you want to access the internet. Listen to this. Quote, misbehave online and your access will be denied. <laughs> That's the actual system they're working on right now on a global scale, mind you. And uh, last week, while we were all have been uh, sidetracked with this Zimmerman thing, Listen to what happened behind the scenes, folks. Uh, President Obama signed another executive order that quietly gave himself power to seize the internet in the event, of course, of a national crisis. I don't know if you've learned this or not, folks, and we've got to get moving. But uh, I've learned that any time, probably the last 20 years, this has been my rule. Any time that you see a news story repeatedly, redundantly, over and over again, you better start paying attention to what's going on in Congress. Because every single time it seems they're doing something behind the scenes as we're distracted with some ongoing, you know, because we're like, come on, something else. Keep it going because they're doing something behind the scenes. That's a whole other story. Uh, and then if you think that's bad, the United Nations is seeking to control the whole internet around the whole world. They're calling it the I uh, International Telecommunication, uh, Telecommunication Union, or ITU. They've already got the logo. Notice the lightning bolts there, some occult stuff. ITU, okay, what you might be looking at is the new logo that might very well be the global internet service. This is actually what they're working on, folks, right now, the, the United Nations. Listen, their plan is to create a new set of international laws to structure the way the internet works, as well as give them global censoring capabilities around the whole plan. One man said, this is going to be the biggest power grab in the UN's history, but the UN reassures you and I, Al, that, hey, listen, it's just a chance to create a global roadmap to connect the unconnected. Let me translate that for you. It's just our chance to make sure that everybody on the whole planet has access and the ability to get connected to this matrix system forever. And then, of course, we get to control it. That's what they're saying. Now, lest you think that's not really what they're planning on doing, let's remind ourselves what we saw before with the quote of Google's co-founder, Sergey Brin. He said, quote, their goal, Google, is to be like the mind of God. And... They want to know everything about us. And they said, it's a future they're feverishly working to make a reality now. So the question is, well, how, how are they going to do that? I mean, how are you going to know everything about everybody and literally become the mind of God? You can even outthink what people are doing. Well, you got to first get them connected to Google. You got to first get them connected to this matrix system that's being built. And then you can know uh, 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 stuff about them at all times. You know, God's omnipresent. He's omniscient. Okay, they're trying to be like God. And so they have to develop a system that could watch us, monitor us, be linked to us at all times. How's that going to happen? Well, believe it or not, folks, they've already started phase one with a, an invention they come out with called Google Glass. You see, you and I cannot be connected to the internet unless we have a computer, right? Or if we have some sort of mobile device, right? 
But sometimes you're not around a cell phone or a smartphone or a computer, so you're free from the matrix. So how are they going to get us to be plugged into the matrix at all times? They've come out with what's called Google Glass. Google Glass, and what these are, folks, is they are devices they develop for you and I, everybody on the planet, to put on our head so we can communicate with the internet, listen, and Google anytime, anywhere, no matter where we go, whether or not we have a cell phone or a computer around us. Okay, that's what they want, to put a device on your head to connect to the matrix wherever you go at all times. Let's take a look at one of their promo things. Here are the basics of how to use glass. This is your touchpad. It runs from your temple to your ear. Tap the touchpad to wake up glass. You should see the display above your line of sight. Adjust it to see everything. The home screen shows a clock. This is your timeline. It's a row of cards. Things to the left are happening now or coming up, like the weather, an upcoming flight, or an event in your calendar. You can tap on any card to see more. Swipe down anywhere to go back to the timeline. Okay, Glass, record a video. This is it. We're on in two minutes. Okay, Glass, hang out with the Flying Club. Google photos of tiger heads. Hmm. You ready? You ready? Right there. Okay, Glass, take a picture. connected to the internet with a pair of glasses on my head at any time. I, I, I can send photos. I can ask questions. I can talk to people. I can request a map. I can take a video. I can post online. I can use all my social networking. Oh, it's beautiful. And well, for now. <laughs> and then if I connect it with another new device that they have out, it's called Google Wallet. If you haven't heard about this. Google Wallet is a new, quote, cashless system that will provide the convenience of buying products and services without cash. The product will also provide ID verification so people can check in for a flight, download virtual boarding passes, keep their driver's license and their credit cards all in one location. This is your wallet. It tells a story. What you buy, who you love, what do you keep close. What if your wallet was engineered rather than sewn? What if you were struck by a better idea? What if your wallet was a Google wallet? It would start with your cards, credit and debit, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover, all stored securely in the cloud. All your cards all together in a virtual wallet that goes anywhere. Use it on your phone and tap to pay for a double shot macchiato at your favorite cafe. Or a taxi ride to the club or gummy bears at the movie theater. And when you go online, your wallet goes with you. So it's easier than ever to order everything you need, everything you need for your next vacation. And that new song from your favorite band, it's just a single click away. Whether you're shopping in-store or online, Google Wallet keeps all your payment info safe and secure. It's everything you love of all-in-one wallet. This is your wallet. It tells a story. What you buy, who you love, what you keep close. What if your wallet was engineered 
rather than sewn. What if you were struck by a better idea? What if your wallet was a Google wallet? It would start with your cards, credit and debit, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover, all stored securely in the cloud. All your cards all together in a virtual wallet that goes anywhere. Use it on your phone and tap to pay for a double shot macchiato at your favorite cafe. Or a taxi ride to the club. Or gummy bears at the movie theater. And when you go online, your wallet goes with you. So it's easier than ever to order everything you need, thing you need for your next vacation. And that new song from your favorite band? It's just a single click away. Whether you're shopping in-store or online, Google Wallet keeps all your payment info safe and secure. It's everything you love of all-in-one wallet. So wait a second, if Google handles all my finances, then maybe I could do all my buying and selling and shopping and finances online with Google Glass on my head. Now here's where it gets really freaky. And they've already admitted to this. This is step one of their ultimate goal. Listen to what their ultimate goal is. Soon Google hopes to have the ubiquitous presence of a personal assistant that never stops working, capable of conversing naturally in any language. So anybody can have these. Okay. Ultimately, as Paige and co-founder Sergey Brin asserted, the goal is to, quote, insert a chip inside your head for the most effortless search engine imaginable. What? Well, 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 we all know that there's only one fatal flaw with Google Glasses. I mean, for those of us who wear glasses, glasses can, you could lose them. They fall off your head. It's very annoying. But not if you had a Google chip in your head. First get used to the accessing the matrix with something on your head. They just admitted their ultimate goal is step two, get that chip in your head. Interesting. And if you don't believe that, listen to this. They admit it. The first stage of this new level of intimacy is Google Glass. Step by step, getting us to be connected at all times. Hey, I don't know about you, but that would probably give them the ability to reach their ultimate goal, to be like the mind of God, to know everything about us at all time. Folks, I'm telling you, I believe that's the first step of us getting corralled into this Mark of the Beast system. One more to go. The third way we're being conditioned to receive the Mark of the Proof, folks, is what I call the quotation proof. Folks, I'm not making this up. You, you can, if you know what to look for, it's all out there in the media, okay? They're getting us conditioned to receive this Mark of the Beast system that the Bible just happened to prophesy nearly 2,000 years ago. It just happens to be happening today. And listen, all you got to do is listen to their quotes. They admit it, guys. And it isn't just the co-founders of Google. It's all kinds of people. In fact, they're blunt about it. They're conditioning us to say this is an awesome thing to do. Let's take a look at some of those quotes. Digital angel spokesperson. Now, notice, first of all, Veritech. They're now coming under, I'm just trying to equip you. Veritech, digital angel. They're under the umbrella of a company now called Veritech. Remember that. Okay, Veritech. Anyway, but the digital angel spokesman with the implant says, we've changed our thinking since September 11th. Now there's more of a need to monitor evil activities. How are we going to monitor people after that crisis around the planet at all times to make sure they're safe? They're going to use the chip. Okay, uh, listen to this. The British Ministry of Justice is investigating the use of satellite and radio wave technology to monitor criminals. Instead of being contained in bracelets worn around the ankle, how about this? The tiny chips can be surgically inserted under the skin of offenders in the community to help enforce home curfews. All options are on the table, but this one we would like to pursue. But see, let's start on the fringe. Let's start with those people who deserve to get a chip. I'm telling you, that's part of the conditioning towards their ultimate goal. Again, we'll get to that, Lord willing, later. Dr. Uh, Peter Zhu, he's the chief scientist of Digital Angel, he was, he said a few years ago, there may have been resistance, but not anymore. People are getting used to having implants. New century, new trend. This is gonna be very, very popular. Uh, here's what he says. He says, 50 years ago, the thought of a cell phone where you could walk around talking on the phone, that was unimaginable. Now they're everywhere, he says. Just like the cell phone, Digital Angel will be the connection from yourself to the where? The matrix. The electronic world. It will be your guardian, your protector. It will bring good things to you. You will be a hybrid of electronic intelligence and your own soul, is what he said. Andy Rooney said on 60 Minutes, we need some system to permanently identify safe people. He said, now most of us are not going to blow anything up and there's got to be something better than these photo IDs. You could lose them or they could fake them, right? He says, I wouldn't mind having something planted permanently in my arm that would identify me. 
Did he really say that? Yes, he did, Ruth. Here's the actual 60 Minutes interview. Something has to change, though. They have to find a better way to identify the bad guys, or the rest of us are going to stay home and watch the world go by on televisions. But we need some system for permanently identifying safe people. Most of us are never going to blow anything up, and there's got to be something better than one of these photo IDs, a tattoo somewhere, maybe. The Saudis used an American device to scan the eyes of travelers. I wouldn't mind having something planted permanently in my arm that would identify me. Wow. Oh, by the way, that was after 9-11. And here, here's a neat solution for you. Oh, but that's not all. John Walsh, America's Most Wanted, he said about implants. Hey, man, it's a brilliant idea. I wish somebody would develop this because, number one, time is crucial when a child is missing and you could locate them if they had the chip. And even if you weren't lucky enough to locate them, finding the body is crucial for two things. The ending of the search for the parents and helping with the prosecution of the case. So I hope that somebody develops that in my lifetime. Well, good news, John. They have. Okay, but I'm not recommending it. Uh, Scott Silverman, he's the president of Digital Angel. He said, it's a shame. The recent tragedies seem to have promoted this increased attention. But, that's right, Al, the only way to assist in the prevention of future tragedies is for parents, law enforcement, and others to become aware of available technologies. Although our technologies have a variety of applications, we believe that Verichip, Digital Angel, and the forthcoming, it's already here, PLD, Personal Locating Device, uh, has the potential to help safeguard children and provide greater peace of mind to parents. Chip your kid, mom and dad, you'll never have to worry is what he is saying, folks. Uh, and while interviewing Scott Silverman, the president of Verichip, uh, Sean Hannity said, quote, he loved this idea of putting microchips into kids to keep track of him. What? Yeah, here's the interview on that one. That was kind of weird. Digital solutions could track human beings by satellite. All right, we got the Van Dams. We got this little girl, Elizabeth Smart. We got this girl in Pennsylvania. Uh, we got uh, Samantha Runyon. One after, we got this other little girl, one after another, after another, after another, after another. And parents around America saying, we can't even allow our kids to play in the front yard. Is there anything, technologically speaking, that they can do that could help in a situation like a kidnapping? Is there, for example, a microchip, a watch, a tracking device we can use for our kids? We are working on a product that we have called internally a PLD. PLD stands for Personal Locating Device which is an implantable GPS for which our company owns a patent and can be implanted surgically in the clavicle area of a child or someone that you are interested in tracking. It is an the first implantable microchip for humans that has multiple security, financial, and healthcare applications. One thing I would just suggest, I'm just an outside soon-to-be investor. I love this idea, by the way, Scott. I think this is a great... Thank you, Sean. What? Notice that it wasn't just a locating device, it's a security issue and a financial, did you hear that? Financial thing as well, you could use it to do finances. Uh, that's not all, uh, author Max Lavo, he wrote about the future coming, he said this, with more Americans than ever being dependent on the government for redistribution of wealth and services to get by, acceptance by most people of this technology is not a far off proposition, especially with the threat of cutting off access to those services which people have become dependent upon for survival. Those who refuse the chip, of course, would soon be labeled unpatriotic domestic terrorists and added to no-fly lists. Because, hey, if you're not chipped, you're probably hiding something. You're obviously dangerous. That's the rationale. And we'd soon seen FBI and Department of Homeland Security bulletins distributed to doctors, retailers, and government bureaucrats about how to identify potentially threatening activities of non-chippers. Listen, if you see an unchipped say something, it's your duty. Can you believe that? Oh, you th it's getting even worse. Um, believe it or not, the former pope, uh, before he left, he was saying that being tracked with this kind of technology is perfectly fine. He used it for his own staff at the Vatican. Check this out. Pope Benedict XVI and his security detail will reportedly begin using RFID technology to begin tracking priests and employees at the Vatican. The move to use the tracking technology comes after the Pope's butler stole sensitive documents from his apartment last year and gave them to the news media. The Northside School District welcomes the support. It is nice to know that the, one of the major religions of the world who've had the opportunity to study the Bible and take into account its application in the real world doesn't believe that the RFID device has anything to do with Revelation. <laughs> Gosh, guys, how do we deny that? I mean, if the Pope, who apparently they're really studying that Bible, uh, says it's okay, and this technology has nothing to do with Revelation. It's got to be okay, right? 
talk about shades of our opening text. The false prophet who dupes the whole world into receiving the mark of the beast. Isn't that wild? But hey, that's right, Al. That's just those Catholic people. I mean, hey, we're Protestants, right? I mean, our, our pastors, our leaders, man, they, they wouldn't do that to us, would they? Check out what this so-called Protestant pastor said is perfectly fine for the Christian to do. Let's take a look at that. I'm assistant minister of Grace Church Dulwich. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with buying or selling or, or using money in this way. I personally don't have a, a problem with this idea of having a, a, a microchip put in your arm as a sort of, I don't know, credit card that, that you can buy and sell in clubs or go down to Sainsbury's and buy your food. No, I, I would not have a problem with that as a Christian. I think you can worship Jesus Christ whilst at the same time having a mark in, in, in your arm, yes. Yeah, how many guys would agree the lightning bolt sound effect is very appropriate? <laughs> what? Can you believe the days that we live in? Even so-called Protestant pastors are saying that you can receive the mark of the beast and still somehow be a Christian. Have you even been reading the Bible? That's not what the Bible says. Uh, Revelation 14 verses 9 through 11 is just one text. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image for anyone who receives the mark of his name. So guess what? You take the mark, you're going straight to hell. That's what the Bible says. And you wonder why I'm preaching on Bible prophecy today. Because that's just one example, guys, of a, uh, a group of people. The church is being duped and led astray even by men in the pulpit who are ignorant of Bible prophecy and are encouraging people in their eternal destruction. But here's the point. I don't know about you, but it uh, sounds to me like somebody's pretty serious about this Mark of the Beast thing. How about you? It's getting pretty close. I mean, everybody's promoting it, even to the highest levels of society. Even the Pope, even so-called pastors are saying it's okay to go ahead and take this thing. And folks, again, in closing, as always, what more does God got to do to get our attention? This is, this is real. This is really happening. It's just happening right now. Okay, in our lifetime. It's being promoted. Okay, and this is why Jesus said when these things begin to take place, don't get freaked out. Don't get afraid. You better get motivated. You better get excited. Woohoo! Jesus Christ is coming back to get us. That's good news, guys. And so the point is, in the meantime, let's occupy. Let's do what he says to do. Let's work together. We're never going to agree on every single thing, on secondary issues, but let's work together and let's get busy sharing the gospel so that other people can escape this mess. Amen. Don't leave earth empty-handed. Okay, and if you're here today, and you're not a Christian, man, what more does God got to do? How much more evidence does he have to give you? That chip is not only real, it's not only being implemented right now, but it is going to be your absolute worst nightmare. And you are going to have to make a choice. Your life is going to be on the line. And so the point is, if God is tugging at your heart today, you need to respond today. This is why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, for he says, God says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, if you're not saved, you better get saved now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next New Year's resolution. You need to get saved now. You need to respond. God is being merciful to you. And you need to wake up and stop procrastinating because one day you are running the risk. Maybe even in a church service. And everybody disappears. But you. Don't be left behind. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. 
And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man.